Welcome to the Dollars and Dumbbells podcast. I'm your host, Justin Green, a certified financial planner and CFO for online coaches, and I'm on a mission to help online coaches keep more money in their pockets. If you're building an online service business and you want to learn how to grow your profits, manage your money, and pay less taxes all while pursuing your dream life, then you're in the right place. Justin Green is the founder of AssistFP, a financial planning firm, and Be a Wealthy Coach LLC, an outsourced CFO service. All opinions expressed in this episode are mine solely and not reflective of AssistFP or Be a Wealthy Coach. As always, this podcast is not advice and it is for educational and entertainment purposes only. Always consult with your own financial tax and or legal advisor before making any decisions. What's up, everybody? Welcome back to the Dollars and Dumbbells podcast. I'm your host, Justin Green, Certified Financial Planner. Today, I'm back with Rebecca Driscoll for part two on how to reduce taxes as an online business owner. Last episode, we had so much fun and we started diving into S-Corps and we realized, let's put this on pause and let's visit this again and re-record all about S-Corps. So today, we're going to do a deep dive um, on S-Corps. So welcome back to the show, Rebecca. Thank you. Thank you so much for having me again. Absolutely. So I want to dive right in, but first we'll just let everyone know, purely educational, um, you should consult with a tax advisor before you make the decision to become an S-Corp. We just want to add more context to some of the information that's already out there online um, that you tend to see get left out of those 30-second clips on TikTok. So just provide more context and education for online business owners if they're thinking about you know, becoming an S-Corp or if they became an S-Corp and wondering why the hell did I do this. Um, so anything that uh, we talk about today, educational consultant or tax advisor. So cool. Let's dive in. What? So what, what's an S-Corp? So an S-Corp is a election that you can make with the IRS. Um, it's not its own entity type. So when you're registering your business with your state, that's not going to be a choice. It's really more of a tax thing. Um, so you're still going to decide that you either want to be an LLC or a corporation, which defaults to a C-Corp, like a, an Inc., you know, a, a corporation. And then if you'd like your taxes to be you know, filed as an S-Corp, then there's some documentation, uh, Form 2553, that gets filed with the IRS to say, hey, I'm an LLC or I'm a corporation. And when I file my taxes, I'd like to be taxed as an S-Corp. Um, so that's, some people are like, I don't know if I'm an LLC or if I'm an S-Corp. So, you know, you are an LLC, you're, you've just elected to file taxes as an S-Corp. It, it is kind of the typical thing we see. Um, so it's a, it's a different way to get taxed. Uh, there is a different tax return that gets filed for the S-Corp. It's called an 1120S. It's due March 15th of every year, so a month before your personal taxes are due. There is a form called a K-1 that comes out of that tax return that is something that you need to use when you're filling out your personal tax return. It's almost like a W-2 kind of like a, a, just another form that kind of spits out that is used to sort of transfer the information from the business return, the business tax return, the 1120S over to your personal tax return. Um, last thing I'll say at this high level is just that it, an S-Corp is considered a pass-through entity. So you might hear that PTE or pass-through entity 
And what that means is that the S corp itself doesn't pay taxes. It's not its own entity that is taxed. It is, um, it, the, the business activity passes through to its owners or shareholders on this K one form. So if there are multiple people that own this S corp, then they each are going to get a K one for their share of the business. And then that data gets put onto your personal tax return and you will pay taxes for your S corp on your personal tax return. A corporation, if you just stay like a C corp, they pay tax at the entity level. So when that tax return gets filed, the 1120 tax return, you that there's tax due the, at that level and it does not flow onto the personal tax return. So that's kind of the difference. And then if you are an LLC who doesn't decide to be an S corp, so kind of just keeping things just vanilla, sort of just how, how, you know, a lot of us start off as just an LLC that's not being taxed as an S corp. Then you report all your business activity on your personal tax return on a schedule C. Um, and the tax implications are a little different. And we'll talk about, you know, what the tax savings, why people would want to be an S corp in a moment. But um, that's kind of like the three options is like, just schedule C on your personal tax return, this S corp tax return that has all the business activity end up flowing onto the personal tax return or this um, C corp tax return where it, everything happens at the entity level and never flows down anywhere. One other thing is if there are multiple owners and you're just a plain LLC and you are not an S corp, but you do have multiple owners, you are required to fill out a partnership tax return each year which is uh, a 1065 is the name of the form. And that's also due March 15th and a K1 happens there too. So it behaves very similarly to an S corp. And basically the reason why you have to file this partnership return is because there has to be a way to sort of divide the business activity amongst the multiple owners. Um, so that's done on this 1065, you know, partnership tax return. Um, and it's not taxed the same way as an S corp. There's not like the tax benefits that we'll talk about that an S corp has, but it's just a required thing to do if there are multiple owners. So sometimes we see like husbands and wives, like starting a partnership together and they don't realize that now they are required to file a separate tax return due March 15th each year that has a lot of complexities to it and costs associated with getting that filed. So if you want there to be more than one owner for your business, that's just something like you have to really think about if that is necessary or even makes sense before doing so. Yeah. So super simple. Anyone who listens can clearly tell there's a lot of moving pieces here, a lot of complexity. Um, if you're listening, you don't need to probably remember all of those terms, but understanding that there's essentially four different structures that you could have. Honestly, there's only three that are very common, I think, in the online business space that I see, which would be the LLC tax as a sole proprietor or just being a sole proprietor without an LLC, mm -hmm. um, the partnership or an LLC tax as an S-corp. Um, I don't often see C-corp taxes, S-corp. I think the only time I've seen that is like in New York, and I, I forget exactly why, but there's it was like made more sense for dual owners um, mm -hmm. to do that. But anyway, so the, the three common ones that you'll see is sole proprietor, LLC, sole proprietor, partnership, and S-corp for me personally. Um, and so just to kind of remove some of the complexities of the C-corp for the listeners. And then I wanted to just kind of highlight, so... 
if you're an LLC sole proprietor, how is that being taxed? So let's use an example. Let's say you're an online coach and you have 100,000 in revenue, 50,000 in net income. How is that reflecting on their tax? Their so tax, like pay, how, yeah, not yeah. what do they owe, but like how does right. that, yeah. So they're going to pay income tax on that 50,000 of profit, right? So they had 100,000 revenue, 50,000 of expenses, and now there's 50,000 left as taxable income profit. Um, well, what so, if they don't take yeah. it out of the bank account? Yeah, that's a good question. So the IRS doesn't care what you do with that money. And this is super confusing to people because they're like, but I didn't take any for myself. I didn't do owner pay. I didn't do a distribution. I left all of it in the business. So it's not, I didn't get a reward for it. Like I'm not, I didn't earn the money yet. So therefore it's not profit, right? It's not taxable income. And the IRS disagrees with that. They, the, the formula for determining what your tax taxable income is going to be is revenue minus business expenses. So whatever is left, whatever you do with it doesn't matter. You have to pay tax on it. Um, so whether it gets reinvested in the business or you take it out and withdraw it or whatever you do, you're still paying tax. So that's a great question. Um, yeah, I get that one a lot. So that's mm -hmm. why I wanted to, wanted to throw that out there because I think a lot of listeners do get confused by that. They think, oh, I'll just leave it in there and I'm yeah. only getting tax on what I take out right. of the bank account. Um, but that's not actually what profit means. It's not what you exactly. pay yourself. That's not actually the definition of profit. So definitely wanted to clarify that. So thanks yes. for yeah. Chiming in there. Yep. Profit is just revenue minus expenses and you paying yourself is not a business expense. So it's really just like your operational expenses that you had. Um, and that profit is what is taxed as taxable income. Um, so you're going to pay the federal income tax, just whatever tax bracket your household is at. If you live in a state that has state income tax, you'll also pay, you know, the same tax bracket, whatever, tax rate for, you know, your state is. Um, so income tax is unavoidable. Like, you know, you have income, you're going to pay income tax to the state and, and to the federal government. Um, but then you're going to pay this other thing called self-employment tax. And that is going to be that 50,000 of profit multiplied by, um, it's like, let's say 15 and a half percent. And that is social security and Medicare. So if you ever look at like a W-2, there's like six boxes at the top that have numbers in them. There's other boxes too, but the ones right at the top are like, you know, this is how much money you made for the year. And then this is your income tax that was withheld. And then this is how much we withheld for social security. And this is how much we withheld for Medicare. So those are like these payroll taxes that we're paying on our wages when we have a regular, you know, W-2 job. So the IRS wants to kind of even the playing field so that, business owners also have to pay into those things. So they, you know, institute this self-employment tax on your business profit um, when you are a sole proprietor filing a Schedule C on your personal tax return. So the entire, you know, profit that you have is subject to this Social Security Medicare tax that they call self-employment tax. Um, and that, you know, the good news is, is you're paying into Social Security's, you know, assuming that it's going to be there for you, you know, down the road. Don't open when you the retire. can of worms there. <laughs> yeah, yeah, we won't go. We won't go there. But you know, it's not a terrible idea to be paying something in, right? So, um, I wouldn't recommend it as your, you know, sole uh, retirement strategy. Which that's something Justin can talk more about. But, <laughs> um, but yeah, so so you are paying into that, you know, 
Um, but you're paying, you know, you're, it's not your wages that are being, you know, that you're, that you're paying this on. It's your, the profit of your whole business. And like we said, you might not, not even pay yourself all of it. So to have to pay tax, payroll tax on the whole profit of the business, when you might not even be taking home all of it, um, is, uh, is a bummer. <laughs> um, yeah, so we'll absolutely. More, yeah. And it's actually, since we're talking about it, it's those payroll taxes that people try to avoid or save on by electing an S corp. So let's do that. Let's hop in. I think we'll skip the partnership for this episode. Um, I can talk about that in a future episode or go into that, but let's talk about, okay, so you're an LLC. Let's say you're a single member owner right now, and you keep hearing on TikTok that you could save, you know, tens of thousands of dollars in taxes by going to be, or electing your tax status to be an S corporation. Why is it that saves taxes like on a high level what is like since we're talking about that what what is the main difference there between being a regular llc sole proprietor if you become an s corp how is it that you're saving taxes yeah so i think a lot of people think it's just like you know your income tax you know that is now you don't have to pay it or something like you just don't pay tax anymore and it's it's not that you don't have to pay that federal and state income tax it's the payroll tax. That's what we're saving on. And what happens in an S corp that allows you to save money with payroll taxes is that the the profit, that fifty thousand that we were talking about, is no longer subject to self employment tax. It's not you're not considered self employed when you own an S corp. You are an employer of this. You have this separate entity now. So. There is no self-employment tax due on the business's profit. So that 15% like has disappeared on that $50,000, right? So you could kind of do the math right there to see how much you're saving. Um, but it's only payroll tax, only that Social Security and Medicare that you are saving money on, not, not the federal or state income tax. But the catch is the IRS isn't going to just be so generous to say, Okay, so yeah, you just don't have to pay into Social Security or Medicare anymore. You know, zero dollars, you know, are due now that you're an S Corp. There's a catch. So the catch is that you are exempt from having to pay this, this self employment tax on your business profit, but you are now required to put yourself on payroll as an employee of your business. So now you're going to be the employer and the employee, and you have to you know, have wages, you have to get a W-2 from your business as an employee, which feels kind of funny when it's just, you know, yourself and, you know, it's like, wait, I'm the the employer, but then I get a W-2 from myself each year. But yes, there is some new red tape, you know, some administrative work that has to be done for you to be on payroll, to actually have a W-2 each year, have proper taxes withheld from that, the proper tax filings for payroll tax and registration with your state for, you know, different things that have to happen with payroll. There's some hoops you have to jump through, but once you've jumped through them, only the salary that you choose for yourself is, is subject to this social security and Medicare tax, not your profit. Um, so you might think, okay, well then wouldn't I just want to put myself on salary for, you know, the smallest amount possible? Like, $3,000 a year or something to, like, to really minimize this. 
Um, and there's, you know, just one more little catch that the IRS throws out there to ensure that you don't do that, which is that your salary must be reasonable. So your compensation has to be reasonable. The problem is, is that they don't define what reasonable means. <laughs> so they That's don't the say, big problem. Yeah. It's a massive gray area. Yes. Yep. They don't say, take that 50,000, divide it by two, 25,000 will be your, your salary as the owner and the other 25,000 can be this profit that you don't have to pay payroll taxes on. They don't say that. So some people interpret it that way. Some people say, okay, well, how much did you end up taking home in like owner pay or distributions? Let's reallocate some of that. Let's do a, a, you know, a percentage of that. Some will say, no, let's look on, you know, the department of labor in statistics and see what a reasonable salary for, you know, what you do your industry is, and let's use some data there. Um, some people will factor in how many hours they're actually working. Some people think of, well, if I were to replace myself and hire someone else in my position, what would I pay them? So there's like a lot of interpretations of this. So you definitely want, want to work with a tax professional or, or, you know, someone who's seasoned in, you know, reasonable compensation to help you because what the IRS will do is if they think that you were a little too aggressive and chose too low of a number is they'll just take some of your profit and say, nope, we're calling this salary. You're paying us taxes. So you don't want to get like, then there's interest and penalties and things. So you don't want to get like in trouble, um, but you don't want to, I've also seen the flip side of someone saying, okay, um, I'm going to do a $200,000 salary because that's, you know, what I think I'm supposed to do. And then I don't take any distributions or anything. And, and like, then they're really not, it's really, there's no benefit to be, you know, they'll, they'll take their whole profit and make it their, um, salary. And then they, they're really back at square one. So there's, you know, there's a, there's an art to determining, um, you know, what that salary should be so that you can still follow the rules, but also get this, this payroll tax savings. Yeah. I think the reasonable compensation is the hardest part when you're talking about S corps, because if you change that number, you can change every calculation, every comparison, mm -hmm. because a lot of advisors will talk about how there's actually almost like a break even where it even starts to make sense to consider uh, becoming an S corp. And on, you know, part one of the podcast you talked about, I think you said a hundred thousand a profit. So we use, you know, the example I used earlier was only 50,000 a profit. So probably not even a good example to talk about S corp. Um, where did you come up with that hundred thousand number? I'm just curious. Cause I've heard people on social media go as low as like 30,000, which personally I think is too low because, you know, you have to take the tax savings and, um, you know, actually you should run the numbers for every situation, but mm -hmm. you have to take the tax savings and then you have to consider, okay, what are the additional added on costs? All the administrative headaches that you talked about, you know, running payroll has a cost, um, the business tax return. A lot of people don't realize this, that has an additional cost. Your CPA is, I often see like 1500 for the, for the business tax return. Um, so like, where do you kind of see that threshold of even like don't even consider it yet. It's probably not a good idea. Yeah, that's a great question. I mean, I definitely wouldn't look at it under 50,000 in profit. I say 100 because when we're making 100,000 in profit, things are starting to, to move and groove a little bit here. We have 
probably enough cash flow that we actually could afford comfortably to set up this payroll and to, you know, have pay this, the payroll taxes and file the forms and kind of get some support with bookkeeping and things like that. So that feels like a really, like a good number to me of like, yes, I, I am very profitable. I'm making six figures in profit. I, this is a consistent thing that I think is going to keep happening each year. I've, I've figured out how to make this business successful. I'm no longer at the beginning stage where I'm trying different things. I, I have a stable business. Um, so that's why I'm a little more conservative with let's wait till things feel really stable. Um, and I, I just kind of feel like, you know, that six figure mark is where we can, we can trust that it's possible that at like 70,000 of profit, you know, with, with a certain salary that, you know, a low enough salary, maybe a $30,000 salary or $20,000 salary that you will have some payroll tax savings, even with other factors, you know, that other costs, it's, it's, it's certainly possible. And you can run scenario analyses to, to see where, where that cutoff makes sense for you and your household and with the variables of what's going on on your tax return with your, the other members of your household. But, um, I've seen enough people regret being an S corp and not be able to get out of it that I like to have that number be higher so that we're just, we know we feel a hundred percent good about making that switch. Uh, if someone was like, okay, I'm 70,000 this year, but I already know what I'm making next year. Like I, I know what's happening in the future and I'm ready to go. And I understand all of the risks and everything, then that's fine. But like we, there's kind of two things that we want to consider. One is, you know, is this, is this steady income? Is this going to be every year in the future? I'm going to be at least, you know, at this amount. Um, or, you know, was this just a fluke this year and I don't really know what, what the future will hold. And am I okay with never, you know, really being able to undo this in a, in a kind of easy way, um, in a not expensive way. Cause, cause to revoke that S election can, is a whole rabbit hole that, you know, is not fun. So we want to just really make sure that this is like the right fit. Um, yeah, I actually had to I had to help a client with that this year and it was um there's like hidden rules that you wouldn't yes. even expect. It was I yeah. actually reached I remember I reached out to you. Mm-hmm. Um but actually I wanted to talk about that client real quick because the you know the consistent income is is really important and I think it's really important when you're thinking about becoming an S Corp, make sure when you're talking to a tax advisor, it's not just like someone who does tax prep for this year. You want tax planning because you want them to look at the big picture. And to your point, it's like, are you going to be making this for years to come? Because in her situation, it was clearly like the CPA that she worked with basically was just like, how can we save money this year? Right. With no understanding of where her business was headed. And so she had done about 57,000 in profit. And it was really good because it was like her first or second year in business um, was really good trajectory. Her revenue was pretty strong. Problem was, is that the following year, her profit dipped down to about 19,000. And that's when she reached out to me to kind of figure out how do I fix this? And that's when we started looking at like, okay, what is your long-term trajectory? Does the S-Corp even make sense? And it didn't, it didn't make sense for her. And so ultimately she decided to, you know, I gave her kind of the pros and cons and she made the decision on her own to want to unravel it. And then, you know, we worked with the professionals to get that done. 
but it just goes to show you is like when you think only in terms of like one year, like what is the tax benefit for this single year? That doesn't always make the most sense. You actually have to think big picture. You got to do more planning involved and think about what's the strategy here moving forward. Um, because, you know, I've heard it called, you know, return on headache, right? So even mm -hmm. though you might save some money this year, what is the headache that this decision is going to cause you? And is there enough return to justify the headache involved, mm -hmm. right? So the return on the headache there. Um, so it was just a really powerful example of if you think your profit's going to slide, if you haven't been doing this long enough to really know like what your trajectory is, even if you think so, her biggest issue was she invested a lot of money back into the business that following year, um, but there were business deductions. So that reduced her, her net income. Mm -hmm. So her profit just tanked. Um, and she couldn't pay herself a salary. So that was other situations she had, which is one of the number one ways from my understanding to trigger that IRS audit is to not pay yourself a salary. Um, yeah. That's kind of I mean, what I understand, a, a low salary like, or no salary. Now she would get away, she would be able to justify it, right, but it exactly. could cause more headache because right. it's an IRS audit. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And I mean, I've even seen, you know, clients come to us where they just, they went to you know, a, a CPA or a lawyer and said, okay, I want to start a business. And they just like made them an escort from day one as just like an add-on fee that they could, you know, charge them for starting a business. Like, oh, you'll want to be an escort. And they're like not profitable at all. Like they're have operating at a loss and stuff. So it's like, don't just become an escort because you think you're supposed to, or because it seems cool. Like there, let's talk about the cost that, that, once you're an S-Corp, you have to incur every year. So, well, first of all, there's going to be probably a fee to do the filing, of the, the paperwork to become an S-Corp, which could be a couple hundred dollars. It could be a thousand dollars. It depends on who's doing it. Um, then you're going to need that payroll set up. So that's getting a payroll service, you know, that you're going to be paying a monthly fee for probably between 40 to $50 a month for, for the payroll uh, service. And that's like a forever cost that you'll have. Um, then you need to register with your state to be paying, you know, payroll tax, unemployment tax, different things to the state. You might need a, to hire a professional to do that for you. Um, and then the business has to pay payroll tax as an employer on the employee's salary which is deductible. So there is a tax savings there, but it's just another kind of cash flow thing to consider. And, you know, all of that has to be set up properly with your, um, you know, W-2 and your payroll service. You really want to make sure you know what you're doing when you're filling out your W-4 for the payroll um, so that the proper amount is being withheld. And then you're doing tax planning with that withholding and, and, um, you know, it just kind of adds some complexity there. And then, as you mentioned, the tax return is going to cost around $1,500 a year. And that's a separate tax return than your personal tax return that's due a month earlier each year. So that's that's its own annual fee. Um, and then the last thing is that in order to prepare that business tax return, it's almost, it's, it's pretty crucial. I, in my opinion, I would say it's almost like a requirement that you need to have like a professional doing your bookkeeping. Um, and the reason I say that is that the, the level of detail that the IRS wants on that tax return 
is higher than on that schedule C when you're a sole proprietor on your personal return. They want to see your business's balance sheet. So you're going to need to, you know, have accurate balances on your assets, your liabilities, and your equity for your business. And that really is best achieved by having true, accurate financials, you know, prepared by a professional. So to have a bookkeeper now in the mix, that's going to cost you a couple hundred dollars a month at least. Uh, and so we want to think about, you know, the, the payroll service, the payroll taxes, the bookkeeper, the setup fees, or, you know, to become an S-corp and then that annual tax return as well. And if all of those expenses, when we run our scenario, still, you know, result in tax savings for that payroll tax difference, you know, like imagine if you had $100,000 in profit, but a reasonable salary for you was really like 20,000 and and you could back that up and it made sense in your situation that really a $20,000 salary was reasonable. Well, you know, now there's, you know, $20,000 that are being taxed for payroll tax versus the 100,000. So it's possible that for a variance that, that big that even with those added expenses each year it would be worth it. But you know, we really like you said need to to do the math and see what makes sense. Yeah, absolutely. And and I think the other thing to point out is as you grow as a business, you're probably going to add on the bookkeeping expense anyways, right? Mm-hmm. To free up time as a business owner. So as you grow, these you know these are probably all things that will benefit you. Yeah. Um, but we're more focused on if you do it too soon, it almost it puts an anchor right yeah. on your business. Like and you're you kind of weighing even have yourself down. Payroll set up because you have employees, so it's really right. just you're already doing all that. You're just adding yourself as an employee. Those are the times where it's like, okay, the business is at a, a stable enough place that it can support this added complexity, you know? Yeah, absolutely. When, so earlier you mentioned um, kind of working with someone or someone reached out and um, you mentioned a lawyer. When does it Mm -hmm. make sense to be talking to a lawyer versus say an accountant when when it comes to an escort? That's a great question. So, you know, uh, lawyers who practice business law, they, they can set up your business for you. They can do all the paperwork to just make you like a legal entity. And some of them will also file, you know, the ne- the necessary documents to become an S-corp. A lot of lawyers think of that as more of a tax thing because it's not actually a, its own legal structure. So they will, you know, just defer that to a tax the tax professional to deal with the escort part. Um, but you know, this is a good topic of just when is it helpful to reach out to a lawyer when starting a business? Um, and my kind of rule of thumb with that is when there are multiple owners involved. Um, if it's just you and you're just have your own business, you're the only owner, then you could probably just get your own LLC. And, and when you're at that, you know, higher profit threshold, maybe reach out to a tax professional to help you get that S-corp going. But if you have multiple members or or owners of your business, you want to reach out to a lawyer like before you do anything Um, because that lawyer is going to determine what entity structure makes the most sense, like uh, based on your industry and what you guys are trying to do. A partnership is what you would default to. Uh, which gives you a lot of flexibility, but maybe not the kind of tax savings that like an S-corp would. Um, An S-corp is going to have a lot of limitations for 
multiple members. You have to um, split the profits uh, according to your ownership percentage. So someone can't take more than the amount that they own in the business, which that doesn't always work for the way you know partners want to do a deal. It's that's that, that's not conducive to how they want to do business together. Um, you can only have one type of stock. So if you're looking at like a, a tech startup and you want to have all these investors come in or something like that, you know, you want more flexibility to have like common stock and preferred stock and things like that, which a, corp, a C corp would be a better fit, not an S corp. So they're going to first, you know, determine based on what you, you are trying to do together what structure is going to allow you like for the answer to be yes to everything that you want to do. Uh, and they'll, they'll help you select that. And then the cool thing that they'll also do is create what's called an operating agreement. And that operating agreement protects each partner from each other basically. And says, you know, here's what your ownership is. Here's what that means. Here's how much profit you get. Here's how you can back out. If you want to leave, here's what's going to happen. If you want to leave this business, um, just, it's just a very safe, you know, peace of mind document to have. And it's like, honestly, very rare that I see people come to me that have this document. Um, but when there's multiple owners, you really want to meet with a lawyer to make sure you have the right entity structure and that each partner is basically protected from, from the, from each other and, and, you know, gets what they deserve, uh, when they, if they ever decide to leave the company or if the company shuts down or something like that. Absolutely. If you're listening to this and you're a multi-owner business and you don't know what an operating agreement is or you don't have one, you need to have one. Uh, I actually did an episode, uh, it was episode 63 with Corey Sterling. He is a business attorney. Um, I would recommend going back and listening to that because it's it's got a lot of really great information on more of the legal side of setting up a business. But if you're a multi-owner business and you don't have an operating agreement, you need to have one and you need to know where to access it. I actually ran into a situation with a new client earlier this year who just had this like disastrous falling out with a, an old partner. And it was like, well, where's the operating agreement so we can understand you know, how this was working so you can file your taxes for 2022. And there was just, there was nothing. And finding the information that we needed, just it wasn't there and it should all be there in an operating agreement. And I feel like there's so many businesses that just don't have that. Mm hmm. Yep. Any other drawbacks, concerns, if you're an S Corp, maybe you want to avoid type situations? Yeah, a few more things. One is I, I mentioned the husband and wife thing earlier or, you know, partners, you know, whatever you are um, it, it, that it, there are certain states that have rules about, you know, um, spouses and ownership. So that's another good thing to to, if there are, if you think you might want, you know, both people on the, you know, on the record as owners to talk to a lawyer about too, because that's like only really necessary in some states and then not in others. And it can add complexity for no reason. Um, and, you know, oftentimes in many states, you default to both being 50-50 owners just by being married. So it's uh, not necessary to, to have a partnership and have extra costs associated with it. Um, just because you thought it was cool to, to both be owners. Um, and you can still, when you're registering with your state, you know, at, for your LLC, you can still be, both be authorized, you know, uh, 
uh, officers or, you know, managers of the business so that, you know, you're both listed, but that's different than being an owner of the business. Um, so that's something, you know, a lawyer can help you decide what, what makes sense. And then just like a, we won't go down the rabbit hole of it, but you never want to put real estate property in an S corp, um, because of double taxation, basically you'll, you'll end up likely paying taxes twice on that property when you sell it and when, or try to remove it from the S corp. Um, so I, we don't have to go into all the whys about that, but just don't, don't be someone who's putting real estate into your S corp. You don't want to do that. Interesting. You see on the reels or the TikToks all the time, those like massively complex, like, Oh, put something up here and then down here. And you know, this, these like massively complex structures, to avoid taxes and whatever. And I don't know if they put S Corp on there or not, but that's a really good, good thing to know, I guess, for anyone listening who's interested in real estate or has real estate, avoid the S Corp. It just, it doesn't make sense. And you're Mm -hmm. probably exposing yourself to additional taxes. Yeah. Yeah. This is not like a DIY kind of thing. This is like worth the investment of paying, you know, a business lawyer and maybe even a tax advisor to sit down and weigh out the pros and cons. Cause oftentimes like, uh, you know, a CPA and a, a lawyer were kind of like, um, opposites with what we want you to do, because it kind of works out that like the thing that is best for you legally is sometimes worse for you from a tax savings perspective. So like having both, um, of those kind of advisors be present in the conversation, is where we can find that perfect like sweet spot of the middle that makes sense. Um, so, so yeah, it, it's worth investing in that at the beginning um, before it's too late. And, you know, yes, it will cost you a little bit of money to get that all set up, but it's worth it. Cool. Anything else to add on S-Corps before we wrap up? I think that's enough. <laughs> I think that's a lot of information. And um, hopefully, you know, to me, the goal of this episode is really just um, for people to just slow down a little bit before making the decision. It's not necessarily a bad decision to make, but we just see people rush into it so fast because of TikTok or because their friend is doing it. Um, so just slow down. (laughs) Yeah, absolutely. It's a big decision to make. Make sure you're making it with the right partners. Make sure you're thinking long-term and strategically to make sure it makes sense, not just for one year's worth of tax savings, but for multiple years, make sure it's worth the headache and honestly run the numbers, do the math. If the math isn't mathing, then don't do it. Um, but make sure the math is mathing. And if you're thinking about this and you want to talk with someone, Rebecca is a really good person to reach out to. Um, this is what she does all the time for, for business owners. So um, I, I'm more so I evaluate S-Corps and how it impacts kind of long-term planning um, with like QBI and your ability to contribute to retirement plans, et cetera. Mm-hmm. But reaching out to a CPA like Rebecca would be a really good first step to kind of understand does this work for me and my business and kind of where to go from there? So Rebecca, where can people find you and learn more? Yeah. So um, my uh, website is conscious-accounting.com. So that's just, you know, you can learn more about me and my business and fill out an inquiry form if you want to work together. Um, We're on Instagram at conscious accounting. And then I'm also on Facebook. tax Twitter. I'm on Twitter. Um, uh, Conscious CPA is my name there, which I don't 
that's kind of just an interesting place to hang out if you ever just want to see what what all the tax professionals are talking about. Um, so I, it's I like the wild, wild west on there. So be careful. <laughs> yes, yes, but it's but it, it can be interesting, but it can be overwhelming too. So maybe just go to my website or my Instagram. <laughs> that's actually how Rebecca and I met. We had a um, a random person comment on Rebecca's uh, post and say, Hey, you should meet Justin. And then we got on a call, we talked and I was like, I don't even know who that was. She was like, I don't (laughs) even know who that was. So Twitter is an interesting place. You can make some really great connections on there. Um, And then you can just run into some really wacky things. So if you didn't already listen to part one, do go back and listen to part one with Rebecca. We kind of covered, we just kind of covered wide range of topics for online business owners. And then this was more of a deep dive specifically into S Corp. So thank you so much for listening. Rebecca, I appreciate you coming on. Yeah, thanks for having me. Hey coaches, did you enjoy this episode? If so, then you'll definitely enjoy my weekly newsletter, The Wealthy Weekend. Every Friday afternoon, I share actionable tips and stories on how to be a wealthy coach that allows you to get 1% better even on the weekends. Check out the show notes to sign up or hit the link in my Instagram bio, at JustinGreenFP. All right, coaches, until next time, be wealthy.